Welcome to the Antioch and Arbor Equipping Podcast. Our desire is to bring freedom and strength to you in your relationship with God, your family, and others. I am your host, Ted Peabody, Associate Pastor of Antioch Ann Arbor. In each episode, I chat with someone who can give us insight and pass on their wisdom on our selected topic. This episode is focused on the five circles of a healthy church. I'm joined today by Drew Stedman. Drew is the director of church planting in the United States for the Antioch Church Planting Movement. He's worked with churches around the country to help them attain and sustain health. Drew will share with us on the importance of having each of the five circles as a part of every local church. Please stay tuned for the episode. Hey, Drew, thanks for joining me today. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Great. Glad to be here. So, you know, we're, we're in this stay-at-home time during this COVID-19 quarantine, and I was wondering, if what is what is one of the most interesting things you and your family have done during that quarantine time? Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been, actually, we've had a lot of really good family time. Uh, we had uh, we had a camping trip planned, but they shut all the state parks and uh, we really didn't have any place to go. So I think probably the, the most interesting and most fun time we had is we have some friends who have, I don't know, hundred something acres and this nice little creek. And so we went out and I thought probably the best way we could socially distance is to go in the middle of a forest <laughs> and camp for a few days. And it was an absolute blast. That's great. Yeah, we, that is something that uh, we will try with our family, I think that that we we too were planning a camping trip and it's been canceled because of the of the lockdown so maybe we'll uh we'll find a friend that has a, a spot we can go camp on that sounds great well i'll say that camping in texas in march is a lot less scary than camping in michigan in march <laughs> it is we we will go in july which is uh <laughs> much better yeah we won't go in july and not in texas so <laughs> I, I don't want my tent to melt right well, Drew, today we're going to be talking about the five circles of a healthy church. Um, so I just wanted to start with with asking you to define what you what it means to be a healthy church. Wow. Okay, that's a big question. It is. You know, I um, let me start. Let me start with negative. Um, and what I mean by that is, I get concerned sometimes that we start to define church based on its function or based on it, what it does for us. Mm. And I don't think we ever get at the question, what is a healthy church, if we're primarily concerned on what we get out of the church or how the church is effective at doing something, because that's not how I see Scripture define a healthy church. And I've been challenged a lot lately, and even in talking with a lot of different people, I think we need to reclaim a biblical conviction. What is the church? Yeah, And, you know, I, I just looking at what... what what the New Testament in particular talks about, it's amazing the language that's used. It's the household of God. It's the very body of Christ. It's the temple of God. I mean, that's the place where heaven and earth meet together. Uh, it's God's chosen people. It's the manifold wisdom of God to reveal his eternal purpose. Like scripture uses this crazy language to describe the church. And we spend way too much time arguing over structure, the color of the carpet, the worship style, the exact right way to do a certain type of ministry. And a lot, we need to spend a lot more time reclaiming our identity 
as the people of God if we ever want to know what it means to be a healthy church. So I think a healthy church starts with us knowing, knowing our identity, knowing our identity as God's people. And I've, I've really loved this illustration that's all throughout the New Testament of the body of Christ. And I just think, what does it look like to be joined together, just like a body is intricately joined together, but under the leadership of the head and being filled with the spirit to lead and guide us. That's got to be our vision of healthy church somewhere in there. And of course it gets practical. We've got to live that out in day-to-day life, but, but we need a higher vision of what the church is and what the church can. That's really good. So the five circles that we're talking about, could you just briefly share what those five circles are and where they came from? Yeah. So Jimmy Seibert, the leader of the Antioch movement, uh, I don't know exactly where they originated, just lots of conversations, I think, of, of us wrestling and uh, just talking through what is church. And finally, he just drew it out on a whiteboard. And um, really what we're trying to articulate here is when you have a really big vision for what the church is, you don't reduce the church to one thing. The church is not just a two hour or one hour or however long you like to meet on a Sunday morning. It's yeah. not just a service. It's not just an organization. And it's also not just a discipleship group I have with a couple other people like it it, just like family can't be reduced to a family night or a family devotional it's a holistic thing but then there's elements of it that are that are important so I'll just run you through the five circles um, very briefly and then we can talk through talk it through a little bit more in detail so circle number one is me and Jesus and you know if we are Christ's body under his head every single one of us needs to be connected to the head for the body to work And so I have to have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Second, it's groups of two or three gathered together. And I, I, you know, I'm sure you've realized this, Ted, and those listening. I need other people in my life who I can get very real with. And that has to be small. Like I can't, you know, even on a life group level, I can't go around and totally take 20 other people into every detail. Not because I'm not willing. It's just there's something about getting really small. But then I also need that house church or life group expression as well. And that's the third circle. The fourth circle is the church gathered. And, you know, I've just found there's something really different about the Sunday morning or the worship night expression when all the diversity of the church comes together. So many different people and something different that takes place in the house church. And you need both of them. We've seen. And then lastly, it's the church scattered. It's all of us being the hands and feet of Jesus all throughout our community all throughout the week. And that's been something I've seen even during this COVID crisis that's been really cool. It's just seeing the way that people are being church everywhere they go. Yeah. So a couple of questions on that front, you know, during this time when we're in this crisis mode, we, we are shutting things down that we normally do as functions of the church. Um, so t- two pieces, two questions for you here. How working with the U.S. churches and pastors that you've worked with, how have they been communicating out these important elements in these five circles and then a second question would be how are they changing what they've done functionally to create health in the midst of the crisis great questions ted well let me um let me start with an illustration that i think can be helpful uh you know when i think of my own family my family has an identity of of the relationship that we have together And then our family has different functions and structures to help us be the family we want to be. Mm. So we do um, a consistent, you know, we do family worship times. We have family meals. We have family outings and events. We have family rhythms. 
And what I've found when major changes happen in life, you have to rediscover how to be family. Yeah. But being family itself doesn't change. And that's the important thing I've seen during this time is at one level, it's in a time like this, you have to dig deeper foundations to make sure you stay anchored. And I think we're seeing that. I think people's awareness of how important the church is and how much we need each other. I've been encouraged, even in the midst of difficulty, to see that. And that kind of goes back to what I said earlier about identity. Uh, if you don't have your identity clear, it's very hard to know if you're going to adapt something if you're doing it in a way that's healthy or not. Yeah. And we're seeing that across, you know, our, our U.S. churches. Um, so many cool, fun stories, you know, uh, of doing, I think, across our movement, we're seeing um, life groups and discipleship move to Zoom and people actually connecting more than normal. And I've actually heard a lot of stories of churches adding to their number of life groups, not losing them because people realize how big of a deal it is that they do have that small group experience. Um, churches are streaming their church services and all kinds of fun, creative ways. And we're hearing crazy testimonies. I heard uh, one of our churches, they actually had a, a gal that somebody had met on a business trip in Uzbekistan that started streaming with them that ended up getting, giving her heart to the Lord on a Zoom life group. You know, it's like these crazy ministry things I never thought possible before are happening. And churches are really banding together to say, how do we impact our city? Uh, I mean, I, I went around hearing these different testimonies and it's crazy. Like our church in San Antonio, um, they have some of the poorest zip codes, at least in the state of Texas, if not the United States as a whole. And they raised nearly $200,000 to feed 900 families wow. for six weeks as they see the impact of economic downturn. We've done something similar in Waco. I'm so proud of our Fullerton guys out in Southern California. They partnered together with, I mean, dozens and dozens of churches across Orange County to set up 24-7 prayer. And then these churches partnered together to appoint block tap champions over specific neighborhoods to check in on neighbors, make sure people are okay, care for needs. And I mean, super powerful stuff like that are happening because it's in our DNA. So even though the situation is causing us to rethink things, I've actually seen these five circles and even more importantly, our identity as the church is maybe coming more to the surface because the crisis is forcing us to uh, to dig deep in our identity. Yeah, I like what you're saying there about the the importance of the elements, but the uh, the way they're expressed um, can change in the midst of uh, of crises or or things that come up, um, that's really helpful for a local church to continue to be healthy in the midst of uh, the world around us, kind of, you know, crumbling at times. Yeah. So, Drew, I'm interested to see. You know, we, we're talking some on the large scale, like how the whole church is is healthy. But how do these uh, five circles play out for you and your family's life? It's a great question. You know, how do I live out the five circles? What does that look like for me, especially with all the busyness and, uh, you know, craziness of life? Uh, I had this experience back in November. You know, we have in a very short amount of time and eight days we have. I have two children who have a birthday. My wife has a birthday. We celebrate Thanksgiving. My father-in-law has a birthday. And then my in-laws celebrate their anniversary. So it's always a really busy time of year for us. And on the one hand, it's a blast, and I'm super grateful for it. But it also, you know, when you have that much going on, it can be a little overwhelming. And this year, as I was driving, you know, we're going from event to event, 
I just had this moment where I realized how blessed I am to be able to celebrate family. And it's like the Lord showed me, you know, there's, there's two perspectives we can have. I, I think in our culture, we're tempted to view things always as obligations, as though obligations are a bad thing. And, you know, we kind of think, I just wish I could just not have any obligations and do whatever I want to mm-hmm. do. But in reality, obligations are a beautiful part of family. It doesn't always mean I want to be at every event, but I'm so thankful that I have community with people where I have some place to show up. Yeah. And it's during this time, actually, of this COVID crisis, I think we've seen the other side of it. What if you take it all away? And I think we're all realizing life can get really empty if we're not careful. It's, you know, sitting at home and watching Netflix isn't as exciting as it's cracked up to be right. after a while. And so I've been teaching in training schools these days, and I've been telling people, it's like, we have to realize obligations in and of themselves aren't bad. It means that we have people that we're connected to. That's why you have an obligation. And so with that being the case, if we view church through a self-focused lens, and it's always what works for me or where I want to be, man, there's no life in that. Instead, I think we've got to flip it and recognize, these are my people. This is where God's called me. And It's a privilege and a joy to be there. And just that mindset shift changes things. And, you know, please hear me. I am not saying that I don't grumble. There are (laughs) plenty of times I haven't wanted to go to life group. I haven't wanted to host life group. Uh, You know, if I'm getting really honest, more often than not, at any given point in time, I would rather be at home by myself reading a book or watching something. So it's not as though I'm not trying to say that if if you feel, you know, if you ever feel like you don't want to be somewhere that you're bad or something right. like that. So don't get me wrong. As much as I'm trying to say, I, I'm just so thankful that I have a place to belong. And at times that means I show up at times. That means that I do stuff that, you know, in the moment I wasn't excited for. And I've always found at the end, I'm, I'm so grateful. And so, you know, more than any one practical thing, it's a mindset shift of the choice to really participate and engage and, I recognize there's a ton of questions. That doesn't mean you always have to stay in the same life group forever. Doesn't mean you can't miss. Doesn't mean God may not lead you into a season where you take a break from your discipleship group for a couple months. Of course, there's so much grace and everyone's situation is unique, but it's, it's a mindset shift away from viewing the world totally through this lens of self and instead recognizing we belong to a community. And there's actually a lot of beauty in life in that. That's really great. So during your experience here uh, of the last, you know, 20 years plus of, of being in church leadership, uh, what, what has your experience been when one of those circles is missing in your life? That's great. Um, I think ultimately, what's the best way to answer that question? I think with any, with, um, Anytime we, we lose out on one element of what it means to be family, you know, in the end, you let me let me pause for a second. Yeah, sorry. I'm, let me gather my thoughts on this one. <laughs> OK, here we go. I think each culture represents something we see in Scripture that is important. And, you know, I, I, I want to be careful because I'm not trying to communicate that if you don't have a perfect plan in all five circles, all of life, that you're going to suddenly go off the rails. But, um, you know, because of course, uh, you know, what does outreach look like for me or my own time with God was very different when I was in college than when we had our first kid. 
but I think each of them represents something that's important, you know? So it's, if I am not filled with life in the person of Jesus on a consistent daily basis, then I don't have very much to give away back to the church. Mm. And, you know, there are times where I'm feeling dry or not doing well and the faith of everybody else carries me. So that's the beauty of community, but then I need to be that for someone else. So I've got to consistently press in. If I don't have a few people that I'm getting real with, then over time, stuff is going to happen in my life. And God has designed us to where we need each other to carry us through. If I don't have the house church expression, uh, I find that's where a lot of life gets lived out. And even particularly challenge parents. It's not just you, but it's your kids. Yeah, They need that. We need to have a group of people that encourage us and challenge us in God that we really do community with. And then if I don't have the church gathered, and this is one I feel like in a lot of circles, you know, people, uh, it's like we want to be organic and not as excited about at times the Sunday expression. I really hope that now that we've had to live without that for a few months, we, we can reclaim how important that, that Sunday morning is. But I find that's where we really see there's something about the whole church coming together. There's something about the diversity of all the different giftings and ages and uh, you know, all of that that creates a worship experience that you just can't have um, on a, in a life group setting. Yeah. And the two are different. There's something different you get out of each one. And then lastly, the church has to, has to live on mission because that's how God is. God himself is on mission. And ultimately, things get inward focused and stale if we are always just focused on our own community and our own lives and not on the world around us. So I think each one of these five circles represents something that's an important part of the calling of the church. And it's when they all work together that, that there's a freshness and a life to it. Mm. And um, maybe let me add to that. I think every person listening has some of those five circles that really appeal to them and others that they struggle yeah. with. Yeah. Right. Sure. So, you know, some people love the time alone with God and the small group setting, and that's just their jam, but that, you know, they're introverts. They don't love the corporate. Mm. Then there's other people who love the corporate, but they just always struggle being alone with Jesus. So there's a ton of grace. So if that's you, that's totally fine. It's so normal. And you need the whole body because uh, it's not just about what I naturally connect with. I've actually found the ones I struggle with might be the ones I need yeah, the most. For sure. and, um, and that's just something we need to be, be aware of. So don't feel guilty. But at the same time, don't disengage just because it doesn't come naturally to you. Instead, that's actually why you need the whole church um, because we're all wired to need each other. That's really good. So in the last few minutes together, um, I want to talk through some practicals on how we do these things. Um, you know, in the midst of full schedules, lots of things going on in our lives. Um, right now, I think we, we've been given the blessing of having a reset during this, this COVID-19 lockdown crisis time. Um, so how coming out of this or even in the midst of this, in the midst of our busy schedules, especially for families, how do we do this well so that we're not just receiving, but we're also giving out what we what we have, you know, as part of that a part of that family? I found that every new season of life, I have to relearn my values. And so. 
the values don't change or hopefully they don't change, but the way they're expressed does need to change. And that's helped me and that's helped my family because it's very tempting for us to say, well, that just doesn't work anymore. Mm. And for me, if it's a biblical value, I, I can't say that doesn't work yeah. anymore. Right. Like that, that, that's not accurate. Um, I think what's fair to say is that I need to learn a new way to do it. And so, you know, for us, I just think back of when I was first married, whenever, you know, there's been a career change or a job change or a move, um, for sure having children and then having a second and a third and a fourth and however far you want to go, you have to relearn your values and they can, they can be really powerful opportunities as you're forced to change the way you do something. It actually makes you ask the question, why do we do this? Um, but I would encourage everybody, first and foremost, don't fall into to the lie that says this can't be done or we can't do yeah, this anymore. Good. Instead, ask the question, how do we do this in this new season? And, and so that's, you know, that would be my first exhortation to everybody. There is a way, but the way might look different in this new season. And so, you know, for us, like, let's say when it comes to life group, you know, at one point we had, I don't know, something like 23 kids under the age of wow. seven in my life group. Uh, it was wild. It was basically a small church. And, you know, it looked way different than my life group of single adults or newly married adults did however many years yeah. earlier. So I had to really relearn how to have life group, but it was still really powerful. And, you know, we ended up meeting every other week with everybody. And then on the off weeks, we do men's and women's discipleship groups. And, you know, so we had to totally format the structure. And a lot of times what we've done has been if it's not working structurally, I don't throw out the value, but I do ask the question, how do we need to do this mm. differently? And I let that be, you know, if I'm like, okay, every single week, I'm just dreading showing up at life group because I don't know what to do. That's a great time to pause and to pull together with your leadership team or pastoral staff of the church or whomever and say, what, what do we do differently in this season? And so I know for a lot of us, we're trying to balance like zoom and you know, right. all these other things that we never thought about before. Um, you know, for some of you, that's really exhilarating because you're trying new stuff for others. It's just overwhelming because you're on zoom all day anyway. And I get it. I mean, there's, you know, there's no playbook for this, but being clear on what's the value and then trusting that God will always make a way to live out the value. And I, I would say sometimes the stuff that's that, you know, God's maybe used the most in my life has been when I get to those moments where I don't know what to do and I'm unwilling to give up on the value, but I'm forced to innovate, forced to ask around. Often those were the best ideas come yeah. from because the Holy Spirit is active in leading his church. That's great. So last question for you in the midst of this time, when you're, you know, you're mentioning the zoom, you're mentioning all of these different challenges that have been thrust on us in the last two months, really. Um, and, and we've basically had to redo a lot of these elements, uh, you know, keeping the values, but redoing the way that they function. So how do we, how do we do that last circle, that invitation circle, where we're where we're out amongst uh, people living on mission, but yet we have to stay at home. So how do we do that? How do we bring them into our Zoom calls and and uh, be a part of our church even when we can't be face to face? I actually think there has never been an easier time to do to live on mission than than right now. Maybe in our lifetimes, because people are so aware of their need in ways they haven't been before, mm. and so many of our sense, so much of our sense of security and comfort has been shaken. 
and maybe some of the idols that our culture has put our trust in have been shaken and it's causing people to ask questions. Yeah. So I really think we're in this, this, it's painful. And I really see that. I know so many people have gone through economic loss or lost a loved one or struggled with illness. So I, I really, my heart goes out to you if that's you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also led to a renewed sense of spiritual hunger. Yeah. And so uh, my encouragement would be don't, don't make it too complicated. Um, you don't need to have some master plan for how you're going to, um, you know, do some kind of missional engagement. Instead, where has God already placed you? Your neighborhood, your coworkers, your family, and how are you reaching out and loving and serving them? So check in on your neighbors. Find somebody who's, who's needing help, whether it's practically or emotionally, and serve them, love them, care for them. And that's the cool thing about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that tomorrow you're going to have a line of people at your door, socially distanced, <laughs> who are asking how they can be saved. Right. So I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if the whole church will just simply go to their neighborhood, to their coworkers, their family, their friends, and go out of their way to serve, love, pray for them, and, and we'll be consistent with that throughout this time, then that's going to create this groundswell of, of spiritual openness that we've never seen. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I've just found this has been a time where people are more receptive to prayer than I've ever seen in my life. And so, you know, ask, can you get somebody's groceries for them? Can you help them out with yard work or, you know, whatever they need to help with and then ask, how can I pray for you? And again, just don't make it too complicated. And you're going to find that people are hungry. It's going to open up all kinds of doors for spiritual conversations and even, you know, be sensitive to the spirit. God might put somebody on your heart that you haven't talked to in a while, Err on the side of reaching out and checking in on people, making sure they're doing okay. And then within that, look for opportunities to, to pray and communicate the love of Jesus and just don't make it too complicated. And, and then what you'll find is, you know, it'll just be obvious on inviting people to church or zoom call or whatever yeah. the case may be. Uh, but it stems with us having eyes to see and, and being aware of people around us. That's great. Drew, do you have any other parting thoughts of encouragement for our listeners before we end our time together? Now, you guys are doing amazing. I mean, just hearing hearing the testimonies. And I just, I, I wish there was a way for us to capture the countless acts of love and service that are going on over the last couple of months. And I've just heard so many stories of life groups rallying around people to get groceries, even to buy cars, to help people out financially, praying for people, uh, you know, whether it's the elderly or single parents, um, really come alongside of them to make sure that they have what they need. I mean, just thousands and thousands of stories that we'll never fully know. And I know so many of you listening to this, that's been you and way to go. You know, don't, don't minimize the way that God has used you during this time. And that's the beauty of being the church. All of us feel inadequate. And that what we have to offer is insufficient, but the power of being the body is when you add it all up together, it's just this beautiful portrait of what God wants to do and how he wants to care for people. So thank you, everyone, for doing your part, no matter how small it may seem. Press in, keep loving Jesus, and it's an honor to get to walk alongside it. Wow, Drew, thanks. Thanks so much for jumping on with me today and chatting. Um, it's been really helpful, really great been a privilege talking with you guys thanks so much all right well thanks for listening today join us next time as we continue to find freedom and strength in our relationships with god family and others i'm your host ted peabody i'll talk to you next time